0: Welcome, and thanks for joining The Journey. Hi, my name is Leah, and I'm a worship pastor in Ohio and the creator and host of The Journey podcast and website. I'm on a journey TS as I follow the Lord's leading in this season of my life, and I hope to inspire others to step out of the boat like Peter and walk on water, never looking to the left or right and getting distracted, but rather fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. My hope is that you find Jesus in your journey as you hear about my journey and the journey of those in the Bible who join Jesus along the way. I pray that you allow him to meet you where you are and trust him as he takes you where he wants you to go. Enjoy the journey. Welcome to episode 27 of The Journey. Today's episode is a Bible journey, and I haven't done a Bible journey episode since I would say even Easter or just before Easter, and so I'm really excited about who I'm talking about today. Um, i I. I haven't done one of these in a while and so I I am ready to dive right in. Uh, this this particular person that I'm talking about has been part of my daily Bible reading for a few days. Um I do I'm doing the chronological uh reading the Bible through in a year and so this is where I am right now so it makes a little bit of sense as to why this story is resonating so much with me currently. But I am um, I wanted to take a quick break from what I had planned to do and share about this particular journey because I think that it is applicable to everybody. Well, today's episode is all about Daniel, and if you're familiar with the Bible at all, you most likely know of two famous, if you will say famous, uh, stories from the book of Daniel. Uh, You've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and then you have Daniel in the lion's den. And so I'm focusing on the majority of the story of Daniel in the lion's den, and I will most likely circle back around at some point to the fiery furnace because I absolutely love that one as well. Um, maybe, maybe I'll share enough of it in this one that I won't, but anyways, could possibly come back to that. So I feel like, um, I've talked about doing that story, the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego several other times. So maybe I'll get to it eventually, but for today, I just want to stick with Daniel and the lion's den. So this Bible journey takes place in Daniel chapter 6, but before diving straight into that content, I I do like to give a little bit of a brief overview, especially for people who maybe aren't unfamiliar with the Bible or maybe haven't really read some of the Old Testament stories in a long time. So Daniel uh, is an important figure in the Bible. I mean, obviously there's an entire book called Daniel, so... Um Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, like I mentioned before, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all selected to be the king's officials uh, to be trained for his service. So in Daniel chapter one, verses three and four, it actually says this. It says, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they were well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and the literature of Babylon. So I'm going to, of course, insert myself here in just a second because I have to go back, and especially after I just spent the last two episodes on identity. But the verse says, Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. So okay, if I'm not selected, I'm going okay. I'm strong and I'm healthy. It must not have checked off that good-looking portion. I mean, for goodness' sakes, how do we determine back then who who is gonna qualify as good-looking? Right? I just I'm curious if there's like this little checklist saying, oh yeah, he's strong, he's healthy. Oh, he's not good-looking. He's out. He's not, he's not allowed in because he has to be he has to be good-looking. So yeah, I don't know. That was just a little uh, a little comedic relief, if you will, from an Old Testament passage of scripture that could potentially seem a bit dry, but I that that jumped out at me and maybe it's because I just, like I said, came off of my identity uh episodes talking about people who've said things critically speaking over your life. And so I don't know, maybe I just put myself in the position of a strong, healthy, not so good looking one that would have been overlooked. But anyways, that has nothing to do with today. Goodness sakes, let's get let's get back on track. Alright, so the biggest takeaway I think, from Daniel chapters 1 through 5, is that Daniel always placed God first. Everything he did was a result of his relationship with God. He earned trust and respect from those above him, and then in return was placed into the to highest positions of leadership. Um, it, it says in one of the the verses, Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck. He was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And then several verses later, after Belshazzar dies, which again, And Darius, King Darius takes over. Go back and read chapters 1 through 5 if you're like, who are these people? Why are you just glossing over them? Because it doesn't really pertain so much at this point into what I'm saying. But anyways, it says um, Daniel now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So we have um, under Belshazzar's reign, he was given purple and gold chains, and he was placed third highest. And then Belshazzar dies and Darius takes over. And now Darius is like, I'm going to place you over this entire kingdom. So he, he is in a place of royalty, so to speak, if you will. And we've got some unhappy people with Daniel in his position of leadership. So the administrators and the satraps, they're not huge Daniel fans, and they're trying to find fault in him and have him removed, essentially, from from this place of leadership. And so under King Darius, um, they are trying to concoct this plan to find a way to knock him down a few notches. But the Bible says they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent, finally these men said we will never find any basis for charges against this man daniel unless it is something to do with the law of his god big g capital g god um so like we're talking about god in heaven so and the reason that's important is because again if you go back and read the beginning part and you focus on the fiery furnace you'll see under nebuchadnezzar there was an idol made of gold and they had to bow down to this idol made of gold and forego bowing down and praying to the one true god and so anyways that's how This all shakes out as to the law of his God. So remember, like I said, everything Daniel did prior to this moment was all because of his relationship with God. And everyone knew that. Everyone, including the kings. And so he was in a place and position because of the repeated proof of God's existence, his power, his goodness. And so for this reason, the administrators and the satraps, they know the only hope of eliminating Daniel is to target his relationship with God. So they went to King Darius and they came up with this plan and they said this for sure would cause Daniel problems because they just knew there was no way he was going to do what they were about to to declare. So they determined that every person would have to pray to the king and that anyone that went against this decree for 30 days would be put to death by being thrown into the lion's den. So I love how the Bible describes Daniel's reaction to this decree. As soon as he realizes this is in writing, it's a law, it says now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into that particular verse later on down the road, but not down the road, but later on in this episode. But yeah, tuck that back in the back of your head. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God. And not only did he do that, but he did it in the open window towards Jerusalem. Daniel didn't cower. He didn't try to hide his dedication to God. He did what he'd always done. And he prayed in such a way that he knew he would be seen by others. Not to like be braggadocious about it, but he was making a statement that I'm not worshiping anyone other than my God, the one true God. So as you can imagine, the men are probably just waiting, right? like they know his routine, they know what he does. So they're just waiting for him one of those three times in a day's time for him to get on his knees in this window and to catch him in the act. And so they're just waiting to throw him under the bus to King Darius and it happens. So they go to the king, they reminded the king of his, his decree that he declared and followed it up by trying to get under King Darius's skin and saying, Daniel pays no attention to you. He's still praying to God three times a day. He's not bowing down to you and praying in your direction. And so then we kind of see how the king handles this information. You would think that a king who issued this decree might be rattled, might be angry, whatever the case may be, but it says in the Bible that the king was distressed over the news, and then it followed up and says he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort to save him, despite the fact that he himself issued the decree in the first place. So, of course, the the administrators and the satraps They kindly reminded him of the written order and that that written law could not be changed. So because of this, the king had no other option but to declare Daniel be thrown into the lion's den. And as he's doing so, right before, he goes to Daniel and he says, May your God, Big G, who you serve continually, rescue you. I love that so much. It just goes to show how much this king respected Daniel and his relationship with God. Because he did not want to do this. I mean, it, it, as you can recall, I just said that he was going to be placed over the entire kingdom. So, this isn't somebody who's just you know meat to the king. He he values Daniel in his position uh, in in the kingdom, and so he's like, oh my goodness, I'm I'm going to hope and pray that your God's going to come through for you. And so after Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. King Darius goes back home and he refuses entertainment. He refuses to eat and he doesn't even sleep. It says he could not sleep. He was up all night. And then it says at, at the break of dawn, he could not get to the den fast enough in the morning to check on Daniel. And the Bible uses the word hurried. It says the king hurried to the den to check on Daniel. And upon arriving at the den, he quickly says, hey, Daniel, has your God saved you from the lions? And Daniel answers, my God sent his angel And he shut the mouths of lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, O king. So then the Bible says that the king was overjoyed and then gave orders to have Daniel removed from the den. And then he decided to throw the men who falsely accused Daniel into the lion's den. And not only did he throw those men in, but he also tossed in their wives and children. And it says they were immediately killed and crushed. Their bones were crushed. So Daniel comes out, and then King Darius issues a decree, and this is what he states. The the kingdom and all the people in it had to fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is a living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And then it says, Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So that's the story in a nutshell of Daniel and the lions. And again, if you are curious about the backstory leading up to how he got into that place and position, start at chapter Daniel chapter 1 and read up through Daniel 6. And that's where I've ended. But But I love how it ends there. Uh, the book of Daniel doesn't end, but this particular story does. And it says, Daniel prospered. He prospered. Why? God. There is so much that we can learn from the story. Daniel never wavered in his faith. He never stopped believing in and praying to his God. And even in the middle of adversity, when he could have easily hidden himself away, right? He could have hidden his relationship. He didn't have to go to the window that was open towards Jerusalem, where he knew that everybody was watching. And he could have gone along with the decree set for 30 days. But he never swayed from his relationship with God. And every single king, so there was Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and now Cyrus, they recognized God as the one true God because of Daniel's influence in their lives. Now, that doesn't mean that they were skewed along the way. Like I said, they had some idols in the way. They wanted people to bow down to themselves, but... It always went back to that Daniel's God was the one true God. He lived in such a way that God's power and presence was undeniable. And everything Daniel did was to honor and glorify God and to bring Him, uh, bring people to him. And time and time again, we read that Daniel was elevated to a position of high honor. He was clothed in nice clothing, he was given jewelry, he was respected by kings, and he was prosperous. And I was reading a commentary uh, as I was doing my study that said, Daniel's integrity as a man of God gained him favor with the secular world, yet he refused to compromise his faith in God. Even under the intimidation of kings and rulers, Daniel remains steadfast in his commitment to God. Daniel also teaches us that no matter whom we are dealing with, no matter what their status is, we are to treat them with compassion. You know, we didn't see him getting mad at the administrators and the satraps who set this decree. We didn't see him, you know, blowing smoke and saying, you know, how angry he was over how the it the it wasn't fair, you know, this woe was me. How why are you gonna throw me in here? He just he had integrity and character and he he lived in such a way that everything he said and did honored and glorified God. And so it makes me look at my life and who I'm influencing. It makes me wonder if if what I say and what I do brings people closer to God and makes them want a relationship with him. It makes me curious that in the face of adversity, would I be like Daniel and be found on my knees praying three times daily to be sure that I set apart time to be with my heavenly father? You know, I want to be someone who is full of integrity and character so that anyone who knows me or knows of me knows that I love God first and then people second. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you've spent any time with me at all, you you know that I love God and I love people. I don't know how to do anything other than that. I don't know how to be someone other than that. And so when I think about Daniel, I feel like he did that and he did that well. He loved God and he loved people. And I think Daniel's a great example of someone who started off in training, essentially, as I mentioned from chapter one, he was a, um, a king's servant. And then ended up in a place of royalty all because of the integrity and character shown in living a life pleasing and holy before the Lord. You know, Daniel never, at least it doesn't say that his motivation was to work his way up the ranks, so to speak, right? To climb that corporate ladder. But the way that he lived his life spoke volumes to the kings and to others around him. So they couldn't help but give honor where honor was due and to put him in that place. And that's one of the things that I love about this story because as Daniel received promotion here on earth, God was given glory because the kings would then ultimately recognize him and his power because of Daniel. So everything Daniel did glorify God and he got, the, he got the honor in the end because people around saw the impact that Daniel was making. And so I think that's something we can all take a lesson from today. I mean, no matter where we find ourselves on this corporate ladder, like I mentioned before, We're working as though we're working for God and not for man. And I think that's something that we always have to keep in the forefront of our mind. Colossians 3.23 says that. And it's something that my son and I have tattooed on our arms. It says AO1. We serve an audience of one. And that's what matters. And sometimes I think we lose sight of that because, well, we're human beings, right? Um, But when we put God first, everything else falls into place. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to come up against something difficult, some traumatic experience some adversity in life, because, I mean, good grief, Daniel served God faithfully three times a day, every single day. And I would assume that those three times were times he set apart, but everything else he did in between also was because of what he was doing and putting God first in his life. But he was thrown into a den of hungry lions. So, I mean, for someone who lived their life in that way and was faced with adversity, you know, who are we to think that we would not have something come up against us in our lifetime? But what I think it means is that you live your life for God and in doing so and you follow the command of loving your neighbor as yourself doing to others as you know do to others as you want have done to you serving others and all of those things that the bible talks about that when your relationship with God is your top priority that every other relationship in your life whether it be a significant other a boyfriend a girlfriend a fiance uh, a partner whatever the case may be uh, husband wife coworker boss mom, dad, it doesn't matter, any person in your life, literally, any relationship that you are in, whatever that is, when you put God first, every other relationship begins to fall into place. And I'm going to tell you, it's nearly impossible to have an out-of-whack relationship with God and expect every earthly relationship to be perfect. I'm going to say that one more time. You cannot, cannot have an out-of-whack relationship with God. Your vertical relationship, up and down, you and God cannot be out of whack. And then you expect every horizontal, you and the people around you here on earth, relationship to be copacetic and cool. It's not going to happen. At some point, you're going to hit a serious roadblock. And most likely it's because you are not in a right relationship with God. And when that one gets figured out, everything else falls into place. Okay, we are human beings. We are not perfect. Perfection is an impossibility in its own right. However, acknowledging that we aren't perfect and accepting the fact that we are works in progress is what matters. So we constantly ask God, God, will you mold and make us into the people you want us to be? Will you help us to be in a place like Daniel to impact others around us that what we say and do draws people to you? You know, we don't need to be the limelight. We don't need to have that spotlight shine and bright on us, but what we say and do gives it all back to God so that He, in turn, receives the glory. And that's not like this false humility, like, oh, it's not me, it's God. But isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be salt and light, right? Everything we say, do, think, whatever, should be turning the light back to him because we want other people to be in a relationship with him. Isn't that what building the kingdom's all about, right? So anyways, before I end, I do want to quickly comment on Daniel and how he felt moments before getting shoved into the, to the den of lions and this rock being rolled into place and, um, to prevent him from escaping. Oddly enough, as I was doing my planning and preparation, I paused for a minute to scroll through Instagram and this story came out of nowhere and someone had shared a story about, uh, that Greg, Craig Rochelle, if anybody knows who Craig Rochelle is, um, that he had shared on his Instagram page. So I can imagine um, maybe how Daniel would have been feeling being thrown into the den. Uh, I'm not Daniel, so I can imagine the way I would be feeling might have been a little bit different. But it it never mentions that he was nervous or afraid. It never mentions that he shouted out and blamed God in anger for the scenario. It, it doesn't say, you know, you know, I can picture some people like, God, why? Why is this happening to me every day? I bow down to you and I I pray to you three times a day. Why? why is this happening? Right. I'm, I'm sure maybe we've even felt that woe as me at some point in our lives. Like I do everything for you. Why in the world would this be happening in my life? But it doesn't say anything at all about his response. And so then it makes me believe that his faith was so strong. He knew God would protect him. And so, like I mentioned, I was scrolling on Instagram, someone's story caught my eye and it was something that Craig Rochelle had recently posted. And it says it, this is what it said. In the Old Testament, Daniel stood strong and trusted God when he was thrown into a den of hungry lions. To me, it's interesting to think about why Daniel was so confident in God's protection. When did he learn to trust God? The answer, he didn't learn to trust in the lion's den. Daniel learned in his prayer closet. His faith wasn't built in the battle. His faith was built on his knees. He had consistently sought after the heart of God three times a day, day after day, week after week, month after month, he consistently worshipped and sought God. So it leaves me to question why we lack faith as a people today. And Craig Rochelle goes on to say the answer, we are inconsistent in our relationship with God. Daniel prayed consistently. We pray occasionally. Now I'm going to insert myself here. We pray when it's convenient. We pray as we're falling asleep. We pray when something good happens. Or maybe we pray out of desperation, but we forget all the other times to acknowledge when something good does happen. And that's the significant difference. What are we consistently doing? What consistently gets our attention and takes our time? Daniel was consistent in his communication with God. We are occasionally consistent. And even the best of us, right? We're all. I've said it before. We're human beings. We're not perfect. Even on my best day, I fall short, right? So my encouragement today is let's be like Daniel. Let's be a little bit more consistent in our relationship with God. Let's be a little bit more bold in three times a day, carving out some time to say, hey, God, I'm just here acknowledging that I need you. I need you. Help me. Come alongside me. You know, thank you for walking this life journey with me. Let's be a little bit more like Daniel. So as I sign off on this episode of The Journey today, that is in fact my prayer for you and for me, that we would be like Daniel, that we would live boldly for Jesus and make a lasting impact on the people around us. And I pray that even in the face of adversity, we would sense God's presence and that the mouths of the lions in our lives would be shut and we would be able to be at peace and rest knowing that he's got our back and he is going to always take care of our every need. Thanks for listening to The Journey. I'd love to connect with you and hear your story and how you are journeying with Jesus. You can go to my website, leahmenzi.wixsite.com slash the-journey and click the contact tab to connect with me through the form. Email me at leahmenzi at gmail.com or check me out on Instagram and send me a private message. Until next time, journey on.